the face is close to where we situate our thinking mind, though I don't know if there's a place of the thinking mind, but it's close, right? And it's still high center of gravity. <laughs> um, so you can experiment with it. If you're used to concentrating here, you know, don't, it's, it, 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 don't force it, but you could try some periods where you just bring the attention to the breath at the abdomen and see what that experience is like and uh, kind of maybe gradually make a shift. The earth element and, the, and the, the contact, yes, with the earth through the, you know, the floor. I think that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. It's really, I, I would approach it all with, a, with curiosity rather than with a, it should be like this, because it's, it's a journey. It's, it sounds easy. But it, 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 uh, it can be very rich with lots of um, unfolding understanding. And so to kind of honor that and not um, try to bypass that and force your experience to, to ground. If we're used to being up here um, for decades, <laughs> it's, it's a journey down. Yeah, it, it is more connected, right, with our core experience. Uh -huh. More connected with the, what the Zen call the hara, mm -hmm. which is um, an energy center of the body. This is another energy center. There's three kind of main ones. There's this energy center, and there's a heart energy center, and there's a, this energy center. And to be um, integrated, we want to actually have access to all three and... Um, an ability to connect with all three. Most of us, it, the order is we connect mainly here, then here, and then here. Some of us carry a lot of trauma um, lower in our bodies, and so that, you know, lots of care, lots of tenderness, nothing. Don't go on an archaeological dig. <laughs> Stay around the surface of things gently, and then over time, we start to settle more in. So if we go to the belly, we might adjust the beginning beyond the surface of the belly. And then over time, as um, we get more integrated, we might be able to go a little deeper in. Mm -hmm. And then for some of us, it, it might be more easful and, and we can go. We, I mean, we've done a lot of healing work or we didn't have a lot of healing work to do and we can connect more, yeah. Right, it's a power area. If we were just doing a concentration practice solely, and the breath or the anchor was just a concentration practice, we would ignore everything else, really ignore it and just get back. Um, if we were just doing a mindfulness practice, pure mindfulness, we wouldn't even anchor. We would just be with whatever was arising. And we're doing a, this kind of lineage that I have been trained in. It's kind of a hybrid. Was, we have some concentration built in by having this anchor, but we're not trying to force life to stay out. And at the beginning of a retreat, I usually give more emphasis to the anchor just to help us kind of get here. But later you're going to see that the flexibility around connecting with the other things that comes up increases, that there's more. And for now I'm saying just acknowledge so that you don't, so that you're not 
going like that, <laughs> you know, acknowledge. But no need to spend a lot of time there. In the afternoon, we'll start talking more about other physical sensations and later more emotional experiences and how we actually can connect and, and have those be our anchor if that's what's happening. But for now, um, it's often helpful at the beginning. Of course, I'm talking to 32 people and you have different experiences, but it's often helpful at the beginning to, to just acknowledge and come back. Acknowledge, come back. So acknowledge hearing, come back. Acknowledge a body sensation, come back. Acknowledge thinking, come back. It's a delicate question. And it's not so, I make it sound easy, but it's not so simple to discern, right? You're probably finding that, and that's why you're asking. How do you acknowledge thought without getting lost in it? How do you respect thinking without chopping it off and and getting aggressive about coming back to your breath, right? Because that's where we usually start. We're like, okay, thinking, (laughs) and then I'm coming back. Um, It's softer than that. There's a real power in taking a vow to um, renounce thinking. You can try it for a sitting. It's just like, I'm not going to voluntarily follow any thought. That doesn't mean you won't think. You will think. But, but it's like, I'm just going to come back. I'm going to just not get... I'm not, you know how it is? You wake up from a thought, right? And sometimes there's a little choice, and, and you're like, well, I, maybe I'll just think about this a little bit, right? <laughs> like Either it's pleasant or it's something you want to figure out. Um, there's a real power in just saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to come back. Um, Because when we can do that, when we can start to let go of the thinking, um, we start to have more choice over what we think. We don't have more choice about what comes up, because that's always just karmically determined. But when we're aware that we're thinking, we start to actually have some flexibility around what kinds of thoughts are useful and helpful, what kinds of thoughts are not useful and helpful, and, and to let go of the ones that aren't useful and helpful. In our daily lives, we start to have more choice. And we gain that choice by the, the, the ability to, to let go of thinking and to come back to an anchor. It's a really powerful thing to do. Because what you're learning is you do not have to be dominated by your mind. Right? Like when you notice a thought and you come back, So you're lessening the attachment to thinking each time you do that. So if you do that 30 times in a sitting, fantastic. 30 opportunities to lessen the power that thinking has over you. Now, thinking is a useful thing, and sometimes it's good to think. <laughs> you know, so it's um, but but our usual situation is we are bombarded and 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 um, swirled around by our thoughts. And as we learn to let them go, come back to the anchor, we start to um, <coughs> have more freedom from that. It's not to say that it never happens. I still sometimes get, you know, a certain problem or something will come up and, and I'll get, you know, the thinking will be strong. But I'm much more 
have the ability to say, oh yeah, this isn't really worth thinking about. <laughs> you know, I don't have the information I need right now, or, or I'm just going around on the same loop, or, um, or this is just purely an unhelpful thought. <laughs> so, so early on, it's like that, that when I did my first three-month retreat at IMS, my first retreat I signed up for was three months. And um, I, I did a three-week before that because you, you had needed a prerequisite. But I made a vow to never voluntarily follow a thought for that three months, sitting, walking, any time. I just gave it up. It's probably why I'm here right now. <laughs> Very powerful. Um, and, it, and to repeat, it did not mean I didn't think. I thought, but I, I never chose to get to, to indulge in thought, except one time. One time I broke it. <laughs> it's, it's great. We start to learn. Um, how to manage our own minds. That's what we're trying to learn, how to manage our minds and hearts. That's the first starting, right? How do we manage them? And the beauty of the anchor and the beauty of the body is it gives you some other place to live because we need another place to live or we go right back in our thoughts, right? That's where we'll go right back if we don't have another place to live. So learning how to connect with the body gives you that stability and that steadiness of another place to live. So we're not learning about how to dominate our minds. We're learning how to cooperate with them or to work with them or to befriend them or softer words than dominate. But mostly we want to understand them because that's how we can cooperate. We're trying to understand. So we even want to understand thought. I mean, even waking up from a thought, seeing, well, what happens when we wake up from a thought, right? That's really an interesting moment. Sometimes the thought goes away. Sometimes it's really sticky, and before we know it, we're, way, we're back in the story, right? We don't even have time to consider coming back to our anchor because it's like we're like, oh, thinking, <laughs> we're back, right? Um, How powerful is a thought when we're aware of it? How powerful is a thought when we're not aware of it? Like this is the kind of stuff that we're seeing. Now it's a lot of talking about something that's more immediate. But that moment of waking up is where where a lot can happen. We make up these worlds, right? Like we make up these entire worlds in our mind. It's all made up. And then we believe it. <laughs> and then we act out of it. And we try to get others to believe it, try to believe our version of reality that we've made up. It's, it's quite fascinating. A little example, the last time I was um, teaching the last retreat, I was teaching in northern New Mexico. And um, I'd been on retreat myself for a week, and then I was moving to the teacher house to teach. So I was taking a nap in the afternoon. I was upstairs. I had earplugs in, and um, I was napping. And at some point in my nap, I heard this sound. It sounded like somebody chanting downstairs. I was like, oh, isn't that nice? This kind of gentle chanting. 
kind of lulled me back to my sleep in my nap. And it's great, you know. And then um, I had this vague thought, like, why would somebody be chanting downstairs? But <laughs> I was kind of asleep. So, <laughs> so then when I woke up from my nap, um, I took my earplugs out, and it was a chainsaw. <laughs> like, you know, not right there, but across the road a little bit. <laughs> and, and like, that's what we do all the time, is we take some sensory input and we make our best guess about what's going on, and then we live from that. In that case, I was lucky I chose a good thing. <laughs> I mean, a good, a pleasant thing. So, so it was like, I, you know, how pleasant, somebody chanting, went back to sleep, like a lullaby, right? If I'd known it was a chainsaw, would I have had that same experience? No, I would have, had, I would have created an entirely different world. How can they be doing a chainsaw right now while I'm trying to take a nap? <laughs> Version, I would have never gotten back to sleep, you know. So it's like um, we're making up reality all the time. So over time, we start to learn that we don't have to believe all these stories that we make up. We hold our mind, we hold our thoughts so much more lightly. Yes, we... We do have to believe something, but, but we hold it lightly so that we're not trapped within these worlds that we create. If there's only one thing you learn all weekend, if the only thing you learn all weekend is to not believe your thoughts, you're, you're, it's, that's gold. Just watch your thoughts, like, in a sitting. Just watch all the crazy things you believe. Right? You believe stuff that if somebody else told you, there's not a chance you'd believe it. But because it's your thought, you believe it. Right? That's called identifying with thought or or, um, attachment to thought, clinging to thought. The stress usually comes from thinking something different should be happening than what is happening. Or by trying to fit your experience into what you believe is a spiritually correct experience, which they're related. That's usually the extra stress. Check it out. (laughs) Because if you're really open to your experience as it is, you're not trying to change your experience. You're trying to understand your experience. And you could say that awareness is what's going to change your experience, not your effort. That's a hard one to get because it feels vulnerable to us. (laughs) We're used to changing our experience. We're used to improvement through changing our experience through willpower. This is a totally different ballpark. So settling into what our experience really is to get to know it and be intimate with it, how much, how much effort does that take? Really, check it out. Not a lot. But if you're trying to make your experience be a certain way, how much effort does that take? A lot. Because your experience isn't going to cooperate, usually. (laughs) So you're fighting. You're fighting with reality. Yeah. 
Make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah. Check it out and keep, that's a good exploration, actually. How much effort do we need? Last question, then we'll move on. So this vow that you made, that didn't involve willpower? No. Okay. It involved choice. So that was just, that was just because you really wanted to do that. Yeah, I was young, <laughs> I was young, crazy, and curious, some combination of the three. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it didn't have this feeling like, no, you can't think. It was more like, there's a choice when you wake up, usually. There's a choice, and to choose to come back to my anchor. That was, that was, that was all, so it wasn't willpower. Yeah, it sounds like willpower, doesn't it? It sounds heavy or something. Yeah. I don't remember it being heavy. It was simple. It, 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 it took care of a lot of complexity, right? Because like, if you have to decide which thoughts you're going to think about, then you get, it gets complex. It was, it was crisp. It was clean. It was simple. <laughs> it's easier to do a retreat that way than trying to always juggle. Like, for example, it's often easier to do a retreat where you just come to every sitting. Then you don't have to be thinking about whether you're going to come or not come or, you know, what you're going to do instead or, you know, it's just simple. Now, that said, sometimes for some people at certain points it's not helpful to come to every sitting, but, but to have um, the kind of the structure. It's the structure is meant to keep it simple for you, so you don't have to think a lot about what to do. I remember going into my teacher once, that first retreat, I was complaining about what a bad yogi I was, because I couldn't, you know, my mind, I was thinking all the time. And um, so I went in and complained, I was a bad yogi, I couldn't stop thinking, blah, blah, blah. And she, she looked at me, it was Sharon Salzberg, some of you know her. She looked at me, she's like, you know, you can't control whether you go off into thought. I was like, I can't? I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. She's like, no, the only place you have some choice is when you wake up at that moment. And you can choose to come back to your anchor. It's like, I can do that, no problem. I couldn't control whether I went off into thought. Wow, there was so much extra effort just lifted off of me with that. I mean, I still remember, you know, 35, 38 years later, whatever, I still remember that instruction because it was such a relief. So you're not trying to control whether you think or not. You're just trying to um, have some choice when, you, when you're aware that you're thinking. <laughs> 